We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? I was ready for the, how are you doing? You changed it up on me. I didn't I mean say, to. I didn't mean to. You're fine. No, I, I was going to say jolly. Yeah, try to be in the spirit. Oh yeah, I should have done that. That would have been that would have been great. Very uh, Christmas like, and honestly, it feels like Christmas in Cincinnati because the Bengals are getting some good news when it comes to injuries, because they were dealing with the injury bug. Obviously, Sam Hubbard right now reports are two to four weeks. Normally, when they say two to four weeks, it ends up being about the four weeks. So um, there's a chance that we could see him late in regular season, maybe for the Ravens game. But more than likely, I feel like if Sam does return this season, it will be the playoffs again, not doctors on this podcast. Um, Trey, Trey Hendrickson, he's there's optimism that he's going to play on Saturday, and he was practicing limited today. The thing about that is I was getting some reaction from social media when just retweeting that news was, oh, we need him for the Bills game. You know, don't he's not 100% yet again at this point in the season no player is 100% and you need all your players every week if, if the guy is healthy one of your best players is good to go you need him yeah um i really hope that hubbard can come back for that ravens game because something he does is very underrated and doesn't get talked about enough is his ability to uh use surf technique what it's called it looks like you're riding the surfboard uh but uh you kind of squeeze down riding the surfboard down the line on the play fake on all these option plays that the Ravens use power option, counter, counter bash, this zone read, whatever, you know, you kind of squeeze down on that run play. And then you read the quarterback is the ball in his hands when he, or is he giving it off? And he does such a really good job at taking that away. And he says, he's just done a really good job against the Ravens in general, getting sacks, pressures, everything. So I don't want to see him miss that game because it'll make me feel a little bit less confident in the Bengals' ability to take them down, even if the Bengals are the better team and have been for six, seven weeks. This entire win streak, I felt like they've been dominating, winning with winning in fashion, and the Ravens are skating by the, the Denver Broncos of the world. And then they didn't skate by the Browns or the Jaguars. So it is, I guess, coming back on them. But uh, that's the one I want to see him back the most. Hendrickson? I have no idea. Uh, I really hope there's no chance of re-aggravation, but I think the Bengals always play these things long-term. They held Chase out for so long because looking long-term with him, they're looking playoff run. So if he's going to play, I feel like there's going to be a low chance of re-injury. Not doctors. I'm just trying to trusting the Bengals medical staff and allowing him to play. Yeah, and it looked like just from the video, obviously it's a little uh, further away from when you're watching it on social media, that he did have his wrist wrapped. And more than likely, I would think that would be a cast. I know a lot of people were talking about the club. Credit to someone on Twitter who had it in um, uh, green and red, like Christmassy, um, all wrapped in the Christmas. The Christmas season. club. Yeah, I'm like, okay, whatever works. So obviously, as you mentioned before, I do trust the medical training staff with Cincinnati. You can't say that for all NFL teams when it comes to the safety of the players. Miami. Miami. Oh, and <laughs> the trainers, I don't know what they got going on with their doctors. Miami now. fired that doctor, though, so I guess I can't say it too often, but 
pre-firing Miami is definitely yeah. one I wouldn't trust with that. I mean, there are there are some organizations like that, and I, I truly believe Zach is thinking about the players. I mean, you hear all the time where a guy's like, "Oh, I, I wanted to play," but Zach was like, "Nah, you know, we, we want another week." It was Joe Mixon, T. Higgins with the hamstring. Um, there are just different, you know, situations this year that I feel like they've really played it smart, and I'm totally okay with that. So if Zach feels like he can go, and the medical staff feels like Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson can go, then great news. The thing is, you're going to see Trey Hendrickson and Joseph Asai out there because you are going to be without Sam Hubbard this week. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, Osai flashed uh, on and off. I thought there was moments I didn't love. I think, and Hendricks is not the best run defender either, but Osai didn't show me enough in the run game to feel that confident. Uh, I thought the Bengals did a better job with the other side of the line in run defense, but he sh- he flashed as a pass rusher for sure. He had the swim move on a stunt to get a hit on Brady, force the interception. He had another pressure on a uh, speed to power move. So the bones are there. I think there's going to be a, a kind of a saying I'm going to use a couple times since we're going to talk about some other young guys that you can feel confident in their floor being okay and you can see the high level ability as well like coming through you can see oh this is how osai will win when he's more refined or in a few years when he's a veteran like this is how he's gonna be really good right now he's just all right um but i don't don't love don't hate the idea of him playing again i i kind of do like it i will say i lean more towards that way just because i want to get more I want to watch more. I want to see, you know, that was one game. Let's see another full game of reps. And I assume Hubbard won't be back for the Bills game. So let's see another full game of reps. And he's, he'll, if Hendrickson's back, he'll be going as right tackles more. He went against Donovan Smith most of that game. Donovan Smith is a fine left tackle. Um, I don't know if I can name the Patriots right tackle off the top of my head. Is it Isaiah Wynn? I think, I think they moved him to right tackle and they have Trent Brown at left tackle. At least that's what it was at one point. So that's an, Interesting matchup. Another guy I'd consider fine. And then the Bills would be Spencer Brown, who has struggled a little bit. So that'd be the one maybe you could get a real blow-up type game. But we'll see because, you know, young young player gets young player in that one same draft class. Uh, that'd be that'd be fun. But I'm not going to look too far ahead. This week it would be Isaiah Wynn on the right side. And uh, that it's a, it's a matchup to test your ability without the other player being overwhelmingly good or anything. It's I think it's a fine level test to see where he's at, just like this last week was. Yeah, I think it would just be big to have Trey Hendrickson's presence out there uh, with Joseph Asai if you're going to be without Sam Hubbard, too, when you think about the season that Sam Hubbard was having. And I, I know, you know, there is optimism that he's going to return. If it could be for the Ravens game, that would be great because he's having a heck of a season this year. Um, and you hate to see a guy out for, for a couple games, but obviously uh, they're thinking long run and, and hopefully a run in January. I'll stay with the injuries again. More good news when it comes to injuries at this time of the year, when you think three more games to play and Cam Taylor Britt did leave the game early. They were saying it was a stinger. Uh, I think that's the best case scenario because one of the things I noticed in the Thursday night game, or not the Thursday night game, the Kansas City Chiefs game, he did go into the tunnel early with the training staff. And I remember him favoring his shoulder. And then he went back into the 10 again in the Kansas City game and then obviously still returned. And then when he left the Tampa game, it was a shoulder again. So I thought, oh my goodness, is it going to be a shoulder problem? Can he return? Will he be back for New England? And he was limited at practice. So again, more optimism that he's going to be able to go this weekend to be determined.
they're going to have a kind of a weird week because they mentioned today that they're going to leave for New England on Thursday evening just because of the weather that we're going to be getting in Cincinnati um, Friday through Saturday. And obviously the game is on Saturday. They planned on leaving on Friday. So it's just kind of a the week is kind of backwards. No off day on their Tuesday like they normally get. But Cam Taylor Britt sounds like he could be returning soon, which is great news for their secondary. Yeah, um, it's awesome because you do worry a little bit with all the injuries that are coming in one position. You know, you don't want to you don't want to fall into any type of trap game. You don't want to say that, but you know, like underestimating this opponent, not having a lot of guys in one specific position, and then them being able to take advantage of that. I thought, you know, that's that's one area you had to worry a little bit about. But Cam Taylor plays; it's just a stinger. Sounds like the be able to we'll see um that's that's a boost because he's been up and down but i think he's been playing like a pretty solid rookie corner uh, it's not terrible it's not bad there's moments of greatness there's moments of teams are attacking him and he's not rising up but you know i think about the biggest moments and he has risen up like when they take advantage of him it's usually early in the game and he gets better as the game goes so uh i'm pretty excited about that uh you know I heard Mike Hilton say he sounds Mike like Hilton is back. Too. I mean, the injury news keeps getting better. Knock on wood. This, and hope that continues. And yes, Mike Hilton was back. This is the right time to get healthy. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, I guess the best time to be perfectly healthy would be actually right now, in my opinion, because you don't want to be rusty at all. Mm-hmm. So if you could get healthy like now and stay healthy through the playoffs, it's perfect. It's all about not all, but there's a lot to do with the health of these teams when they hit the playoffs. I know you're not getting a Wujie back. You're not. That's really the only major long-term yeah. injury. Everybody I'm else sounds like wood, they'll right be <laughs> knocking on wood. Everybody else sounds like they'll be back for the playoff run, and that's huge because Bengals made the Super Bowl. They were, I think, the healthiest team. And then the, the what, like top five healthy team was the Rams. The year before, the Buccaneers, when they won the Super Bowl, they were the healthiest team in the league. It's not just a Bengals fluke thing. This is healthy. I've hammered this a lot on this podcast. Almost every team that wins the Super Bowl is very healthy. And then we get a team that isn't overly healthy. You get the Chiefs in that Buccaneers Super Bowl and they get blown out because all, all those offensive linemen are hurt and whatnot. So they're getting healthy at the right time. I think they can compete with anybody. And they're showing resilience by winning these games without these guys too. Like they're just showing like we don't need to be fully healthy to win. So that's even better when they make the playoffs. And, and I think, you know, I was giving credit to Zach Taylor, the training staff and the coaches when it comes to these injuries, that if it were a play, if it would have been a playoff game in Tampa, let's say we were already to the playoffs and they didn't have Trey, I think they would have had Trey play this past weekend. Um, and I think with the Mike Hilton thing, again, you're being smart about it. If you don't feel like this guy can can fully go out there, hey, give him another week of rest. And I think that's awesome because, as I mentioned before, obviously these guys are not 100%. The, the ones that are out there, they're like, look, you never see them on the injury report, but they're still battling uh, bruises here and there. Uh, Joe Burrow talked about it when he was on the injury report last week. He was a full participant, so it wasn't really a major concern. He said it was a bruise uh, that he was dealing with on his elbow, nothing major, nothing, no, nothing to be concerned about. He's not on the injury report right now, which is great news. Um, didn't show up even on the full participant uh, list. And then we'll stay with the offense. Hayden Hurst, back at practice, limited participant. He was out of the boot last week. Could see Hayden Hurst back out there for this offense. Yeah, I think that one's big too, because you're talking Hayden Hurst, uh, Mitch Wilcox scored the touchdown, credit to him. There's an element 
of verticality that gets added with Hayden Hurst being thrown at the tight end spot rather than Wilcox or Asiasi, even if they are athletes. I think Hurst has the ability to work down the field better. So he's going to add a little bit more, a little bit of juice to that tight end room. I know these guys have performed okay, but nothing has topped what Hurst has been able to do this season. So get him back out there. Another weapon to deal with. Another guy getting healthy. It's what you love to hear this time of year. Yeah, and, you know, going into this game, if they decide to kind of give Hayden those limited reps, they can do that because they've they've had Mitchell go out there. They've had other weapons who've had to step up with injuries. I mean, goodness, they were without Jamar Chase for four games, then without T. Higgins. Uh, Tyler Boyd playing with nine fingers <laughs> this past week and was able to catch a touchdown pass. It's just really unbelievable the different guys who have had to step up in the wide receiver room. Trent Taylor um Trenton Ir- Trenton Irwin but um just even in the tight end tight end room alone I-, I think you can be smart with Hayden Hurst if he's not 100% good to go versus New England maybe you wait until the Bills game or if he's a limited guy out there he's still going to be another option w- when you face the New England Patriots yep and don't underestimate the Patriots their defense has been really really good we'll get on to the preview later but it's a team I don't think you can overlook just because they had a very funny loss this past week. Yeah, that is just a wild um, – just even watching it again is absolutely unbelievable because the Bengals game was ending, and I'm sitting here watching this on Twitter thinking, no way this game ended this way. I would be absolutely sick to my stomach. And then you have to face this team this weekend after losing like that. And look, they're playing for their playoff lives right now. So this is back against the wall. This is going to be fighting for their life stuff. They might pull some tricks they haven't shown all year just because they need to win this game. They need to win pretty much every game going forward to make the playoffs. So I think this is going to be a, you know, what's the uh, a desperate and wounded animal is the most dangerous. I think this is a little bit of that. So you got to kind of think about that, but we'll do that later with the preview yeah. on when that comes out Friday. Yes, we'll do that. We'll talk a little one, two seed. You went back and watched the tape. I know a lot of people want to know what happened with Dax Hill. What did he look like in the first half, second half? Little Joe Burrow breakdown, the offensive line, and then any other takeaways from the Tampa film breakdown next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Tuesdays are my favorite time to record because you go back and you watch the tape. Obviously watching the game live, you see what's happening, you have your takeaways. But then you go back, you have great clips, like I said, Paul on social media, Bengals underscore Sands, really great breakdown of highlights offensively, defensively. And I want to start with the defense because the reaction was all over the place, I feel like, with Dax Hill from the first half to the second half. What did you see? Inform the people. Okay, first, did anybody have a normal reaction or was it all over the top? It was over the top. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he was a rookie making his first start i know he played a lot of nickel corner in college i watched too uh but he had a tough draw at times you know covering crossing routes from chris godwin covering mike evans and man coverage press man coverage you know these things he wasn't winning on but like i mentioned with joseph Osai, i think the foundation is there i think you could be excited about what he showed even if he didn't have a good performance i don't think he played well but 
I do think that the bones are there. The process, I think, was solid. It was just not getting the exact results he wants. I think the game's just a bit fast right now, especially when you're going against superstars. Uh, so need to get the game to slow down a little bit. I thought there's stuff in there that's good. Like I there's a, a rep I wanted to show and I posted on my Twitter where he's jamming Mike Evans and he misses his jam, freaks out a little bit, grabs with the outside hand, but Overall, he misses his jam, and he still sticks with him tight. He's doing a good job as an athlete. And the jam is solid up until he tries to reach with the outside hand. His feet get a little bit wonky. But overall, the bones are there for a nice rep. He just didn't put himself in a position to succeed at the beginning, but he's able to overcome that later on. Ends in a DPI, and maybe if he is able to land that jam or he sticks you know, a little bit more over the top and then transitions into his trail, it works out a little bit better. But – what I saw was a guy that you could see how it'll work. And, and against a lesser opponent, it probably would have worked. It's just he got beat by Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at times. And that's going to happen to a lot of guys. That He wasn't the only corner that got beat by those guys in the game. Um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a solid – I feel solid after the performance. I don't feel bad, but, you know, it didn't give me the uh, – Dax Hill would be a defensive rookie of the year if he was playing all year type feeling either. It just, it felt like, okay, that, that was fine. And you could see how he's going to be good. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, their reaction, it reminded me a lot of how they were reacting with the first half of the game. Like, oh, it's over. They're not ready. They didn't prepare for this game. Um, this is a trap how game. Does, you just... Oh, go ahead. How does, oh, how does anybody say it's over when we just watched, uh, maybe they didn't watch, the, the Vikings come back? I feel like you can't say it's over before halftime for any game for the rest of the year just because you saw that, that one happen. Zach Taylor's had six career, um, you know, comebacks in games, and I feel like they've had three this year. So I think people just need to calm, calm down a little bit and watch the game. Honestly, being down 17, we watched this team in an AFC championship game come back on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they won the game. It's yeah, never it's never over. It, it really isn't. I mean, it's over when it's the Brown, that Browns game on Monday Night Football, but then this team went <laughs> off and, and won six games in a row. Uh, so, you know, maybe that was kind of a wake-up call for them at the times. I, I just – you, you got to just let the process play out. And I wish I could find Lou's quote. He had it early on in the season when a lot of people wanted to see Dax Hill on there. And, you know, you'd have to answer with who you're taking off the field at this time. You're not going to take one of your safeties off. And everybody's the answer was Jesse Bates because they don't like him. They're mad at him. You need to get over that. <laughs> you need to get over that. I want Jesse Bates to win a ring here before he leaves. So exactly, um, he was on the this train. Biggest reason on the defense. I won't try to get in the whole debate. Biggest reason on the defense that they made the Super Bowl. I mean, he was the best player in that run. As awesome as DJ Reader is, he what had an interception in the Titans game. Had an interception in the Super Bowl. He broke up like four passes in the Raiders game and made the key play on, in overtime against the Chiefs. I mean, that was a awesome run. And I feel like I know he's not going to be here next year and you could be angry and he's not taking the deal to stay with the team and hey, we didn't need him anyway. Why can't you just be happy for a guy that gave you so much happiness? Because that's how I feel as both a fan and analyst. Just like, yeah, he got them to the only Super Bowl that I have ever seen in my life. Yes. So that's pretty darn cool. And if he's on, he's one of the best safeties in the league. If he can get hot during the playoffs again, 
I like their chance, like I predicted <laughs> at the be- before the season. Dude. I am predicted. Well, you well Hurts might be hurt, but <laughs> let's get past that. Pick, I get one pick seed Bengals. Yeah, I picked the Bengals, and big reason is you know Jesse Bates gets hot. This defense gets hot. They can match up and scheme up against anybody, and they have the guys that can do this. So. That's just my take defending Jesse Bates. I think you guys are really harsh on him. Every week, I feel like people say he had a terrible game. And then every metric, pro football focus, and all these other people, and me when I watch, are like, no, he didn't. <laughs> like, what is the stake? Why is it every time, every game? This is a Panthers game, and he comes out as the highest graded player on pro football focus, whatever pro football focus is worth. I When I watched, I was also like, no, this was a good game from him. <laughs> what is the stake? But during the game, I heard Jesse Bates had a real bad game, didn't he? And I was like, I, I, I don't know. Safeties are on the screen for like three, three seconds total of the entire game. You need the next time they say that, say why. Why is he having a game? Because he's, I'm a, he's out of position. He doesn't like contact. Blah blah blah. I, that's I'm creating the straw man that I've heard a hundred times. The, really? Why is he bad? He doesn't want to play here. <laughs> I want to get to. I should. We should read overreaction tweets if the game turns out. You know, it goes really bad at first, and then they end up winning. I had this guy tweet me and say, "Oh, there's the defense bailing out Joe Burrow again." <laughs> what? This doesn't happen all the time. The defense has stepped up a lot this year, 100%. Yeah, sure. They stepped in the playoff run, but whatever. They're a top-ten defense. They're fun. Uh, but the they're still like, scoring touchdowns. Yes. Like, they got like, the short fields, but it wasn't like they were kicking a bunch of field goals. I was just so annoyed. At that point, I was like, you aren't worth it. I'm going to mute you because I don't want to hear any of your reactions in my Twitter. Uh, but I want to go back to Jesse Bates because you bring up a great point. And if he wants to turn it on in December and January and February, go right ahead. This is the perfect opportunity. All eyes are on you. 21.4 million people watched that game against Tom Brady uh, and Joe Burrow. So all eyes are on when it comes to other teams. And Jesse Bates will get paid. It just won't be in Cincinnati. I know this isn't final. And I, he's just not coming back. I'm sorry to break that news to you guys on here. Um, I mean, I feel like the writing's on the wall. I feel like the writing's on the wall. Maybe there's it's a, I think at this point, more of a mutual split than yeah, one, nothing, maybe, nothing bad. When you draft Dax Hill, that, that writing is now written in marker. <laughs> it's yeah, not it's just kind of hanging up there. It's that's permanent marker of just like first round safety. Okay, that, that means that the the high paid safety is gone. But the thing about Jesse Bates and will always just kind of hold like a soft spot for me personally. Just like thinking about Jesse Bates on this team is when he first started here and he was such a young leader that I did think that they were going to extend him, you know, early on in his career. I'm like, oh, they're going to extend this guy. He's such a leader on this defense. But I just remember him, you know, during a lot of the lows and when he would talk to the media would just be like, look, it's it's we're losing. We're not playing very well, but we know, you know, we saw guys showing up in cold December, January month. And we're still getting work done because we have to finish the season out. Uh, you know, just the way he would talk. And I was like, I can't believe this guy's only two years into his NFL career and you got to keep him around. And obviously it just didn't work out. And the thing about it is I, I hope, you know, the way he gets treated, if, you know, if it is, I shouldn't say it's final or anything like that, but if it is his final year in Cincinnati, I hope people, um, you know, are a little, a little nicer to him because he did do a lot behind closed doors and, and what he doesn't, you know, off the field too, um, is absolutely huge. And 
I wish nothing but the best for him. There are a lot of former Bengals that I look at in their NFL career and I love seeing them succeed. He's definitely going to be one of them. He will get paid and he will deserve every penny. It just, I just don't see it happening in Cincinnati. But I want to go back to Jesse Bates, just talking uh, glowingly about him. But I want to bring up this point because you went back and watched the tape. Would that have been a pick six, you think, for Jesse if he would have caught it? I uh, He's actually really good after the catch. I didn't know he was a punt returner. I, I wasn't watching draft prospects back when the Bengals drafted him. Uh, I didn't know he returned punts. He's actually got some wiggle to him. For the fun of it, I'll say yeah. But I do think the running back is the guy that – I don't know if he makes the tackle, but I think he slows him down because he's not – in fr- there's no defense there's no defender right next to him that could just block him or anything real quick he's got a good angle to just get out in front of Bates I also think the most likely thing to happen there would probably be Bates taking a knee <laughs> the time you get those deep in the end zone picks unless you're Ed Reed a lot of those guys just kneel it down just go like yeah whatever let's not let's not ruin this <laughs> um, but I think I say yes for the fun of it I'd mm-hmm. give it 50-50. I feel like that running back could slow him down. Then you get Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or somebody catching up from behind or something like that. That was a really good play, too. I've heard people say that's why he had a bad game, and it's like, I mean, I guess he dropped it, but I don't consider a drop pick to be the end of the world because what he did on that was look to his left to Mike Evans first, reads the wrap distribution, says, okay, he went outside. He released outside. I'm not making a play over there. He went underneath. I'm not making a play over there. Gets back his eyes on Brady, sees Brady look to – Bates is right, Brady's left, and then he doesn't move right away. And I, I think this was a little bit of baiting. He was just like, oh, I see what Brady wants, and he doesn't see me. He thinks I'm looking over there because that's where I started. So when Brady goes to pull the pin on the grenade, uh, take a hand off the ball and throw that, he breaks and gets their perfect, ah, man. would have been such a cool interception moment to, for him to do that. It reminded me a little bit, but a little bit more trickery to it. Uh, to his interception as Tannehill in what was that 2020 Burroughs rookie year mm. uh, in the end zone he caught one against him there it reminded me a little bit of that it was just like baiting the quarterback into doing what he wants them to do and that was a really good play up until the drop it reminded me also of the the 49ers drop although that was a much more important drop uh, that was nothing but green grass in the end zone that was a pick six <laughs> nothing that, I mean, they this, were going to win that game right there Back. Yeah, yeah. That this one was less consequential and a, a more debated pick six opportunity. That one was definitely a pick six and an unfortunate drop, but um, not the greatest hands of all time. Whatever. He's not the first defensive back to you know drop a couple picks. A lot of them do. This whole defense was doing that at one. Eli point. Apple did it. Uh, he doesn't get the hate. He dropped a pick on that same drive. Well, it's funny, and I need to call myself out because I think I tweeted in the first half. I'm like, man, or at halftime, I said the defense has to learn how to catch the football. And it was just everyone. That was kind of more of how the season is going, where they just don't catch the ball. And then in the fourth or in the second half, they have four turnovers. I'm like, oh, okay, this works. Trey Flowers makes a sliding interception, and uh, Jermaine Pratt's interception was insane. I get why I get why Nance thought that hit the ground. I did too. He has his hands out. It hits his hands and bounces. Like <laughs> it's one of the craziest interceptions I've seen. To just use your hands as like a trampoline, get the ball to go up and then catch it. Still, is so cool. I love that from him. That was that was an awesome. That whole play was awesome. DJ Reader gets pressure, moves Brady off his spot. That's the first check mark needed this to happen because they ran a stunt on the other side with 
uh, Joseph Osai coming around. Joseph Osai gets picked up by the center, but he beats him with a swim move, makes the center fall down, and then he gets a hit on Brady. Almost gets that sack. I know he – I'm sure he wanted since he talked about that in preseason. Um, but he forces the wobbler to just go into the air, and uh, there it is. Jermaine Pratt making the weird trampoline <laughs> catch back to himself. Uh, it was so cool. And also, I tweeted about – I didn't tweet about – well, I did tweet about it. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, but in my takeaways article, I went through pro football reference, and this is the first four turnover game Brady's had since 2011. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's awesome. That's uh, huge. He, he, had, he hasn't even had a three turnover game this year, uh, just two turnover games this season. He had a three turnover game against the Saints last year. And then other than that, I kept going back. I was like, I, I got it sorted by interceptions. I look over at the fumble recoveries. Or fumbles lost, whatever it is, and like, okay, no, three, three, two. Some years he had one was his highest amount of turnovers in a season. Got finally got back to 2011 against, I think it was the Bills in September of 2011. He had four turnovers, and uh, that's pretty crazy. Only like four games in his 20 something year career of four turnovers, and this is one of them. It's wild because of how Grady was playing in the first half, and then I mean, I oh, thought it looked was- vintage. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be old Tom Brady. I, I I was I I was scared because I posted the meme of him. Uh, and, yeah, uh, but it definitely called you out for that. Uh, but we have about 60 seconds. I want to get to a Joe Burrow. I kind of felt bad after we recorded because I was like, you know what? The guy came back in in the second half. I know he had a short field, and he felt like I felt like he was really getting it together. I know that one play that kind of made social media and people are like, ah, oh, you're not Patrick Mahomes. I think Joe Burrow saw Mahomes the did the same thing before. What? <laughs> That's the tweet. Well. There was a lot of like kind of reaction of you know when he ran out of field goal range. I think yeah, Mahomes did that before. Yeah, he did. He oh, did he it. didn't. He he didn't see the flag though. I'm he gonna did. let you know when you could see the whole thing. His back's turned by the time they're throwing the flag. Never mind. I I think he just went brain dead on the play, but he got saved, and it's fine. It's fine. It, hey, nothing happened as far as I know. Maybe he, there's a slim chance he saw the hold and just thought a flag was coming. I think he just brain neutral, brain fart on the play, thought he could do something, wasn't able to, but you can continue. I I just do want to point out he didn't see the flag. Okay, well, we maybe we should have never talked about that. Um, (laughs) It's just a play, though. It's just Mahomes did the same thing, like in the championship game. Championship game did it. Yeah, like he's done this multiple times. He fumbled in that championship game and should have lost it there on on the goal line, like that. I can't believe it's a take that you're not Mahomes. Like, if anything, like, yeah, you're not, I don't know, Lamar Jackson. And I think Burrow would agree that he's not Lamar Jackson. It's It's okay. Joe Burrow, he did, he did fine. He had four touchdown passes, uh, but really quickly, any other takeaways when you went back to watch the team? Uh, no, the Buccaneers were allowed to play real physical. And I think that frustrated Chase after the game, because he mentioned all the holding and they did get away with actual holding and a face mask, but you know, these Bengals receivers, they're bulls. They like to lock horns rather than run around these guys. So I think it's something worth noting that they like the physicality. They like getting into it with these guys, even if it is at times a little bit detrimental. I think, you know, you almost want to pull it back just like 2%, 3%. Just be like, you don't have to fight that guy this time. You know, just just run past him. <laughs> he wants to fight you. That's fine. Just keep running. Um, but, you know, I, I'd rather – Rather have too much dog in my receivers and not enough, you know, pull them back a little bit. That's a little easier to do than trying to hype them up to go fight that corner. 
Well, Joe Burrow did say they are the big dogs. So he said it for a reason. Even his wide receivers are like that. But yeah, great stuff. We'll preview and predict the Patriots game on Thursday. But the next thing we're going to have a little fun. I actually want to get to the Gio Bernard video that made social media. The Chiefs Wolf. It's absolutely wild uh, story. And then we got to talk a little Christmas because Christmas is this week next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I want to talk about the Gio Bernard video. Uh, When I saw that clip, actually it was sent to me. I didn't see it right away on Twitter, and I don't know how I missed it because obviously it was everywhere. Even Kevin Durant uh, retweeted it and a lot of other people in football and just on social media saw it. And there's a couple things. Um, I feel like everybody knows what we're talking about with Gio Bernard and the Tampa reporters and Gio's kind of, unfortunately he's, you know, been battling injuries this season and there was a point in the game, you know, trick play fourth and one um, Gio says, you know, it was on me. It didn't go well. I don't really feel like it was a big turning point in the game. The Bengals only got three points out of it. Uh, when your quarterback gives away the ball four times, then uh, that is the topic of conversation in the second half. There were just, questions by the reporters and kind of how it was handled. It was recorded. It was posted on social media and someone who's been in the locker room. um, I was there for five to six years. Someone who knows Giovanni Bernard since he was a rookie. I know him from interviews in the locker room from beyond the stripes. When he was here, we had a a show on the Cincinnati Inquirer where we had him on two to three times a season. And Gio was always uh, one of my favorites to talk to. He had a great story. Um, I kind of like his, his family story and kind of just how he grew up and just always one of those people. I didn't feel like we appreciated him enough or he got enough credit for what he could do on the football field. And I didn't really like how that was handled personally. And as Knowing, you know, former media members, people who are in the media now, I know that the job is tough and I know it's important to create relationships. I know during the COVID year, it kind of was a factor when you're working on Zoom calls and you don't really get to build those relationships, but then you're back in the locker room and that stuff is extremely important because you want these guys to trust you. And I just felt like the way that was handled was not fair to Gio because you have to remember that these people, yes, they're professional athletes, they get paid a lot of money, but they are human too. And sometimes they don't want to comment. And I'm okay with that. If a guy, you go up to him in the locker room and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, you know, something went down, the play didn't go well. Okay. They didn't want to comment. You move on, you go talk to the next guy who's open at his locker room. So I just felt like that was handled really poorly by Tampa media. And I just felt like they put Gio on a spot that I didn't really appreciate. I thought they treated him subhuman and I thought that was kind of disgusting. And it's one thing that to do that and just, it goes away. It's another to post it on your Twitter and fight people in the comments that said you're wrong. It's just have the slightest amount of empathy and treat players as humans and not headlines. Um, It's, you know, it was a video that brought together players and reporters alike that uh, were all disgusted by how he's treated. I mean, the comment, what have you done for us to talk to you was so out of left field, like bonkers that, Hey, screw you. Answer our questions. The type thing. It's just like, you're not getting answers you want when you talk to somebody like that. Even if he does start talking to you, which he did, and he graciously did, because I would have not had that response. I, At the very least, I would have just done the Marshawn Lynch of like, 
I'm not here. I'm here so I don't get fined. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> Things like that. I'm here. I have to answer you. I don't have to answer honestly. Uh, or at least I don't have to answer like specifically. I just have to be here for you to ask me questions. Um, but he actually gave them answers. And I also heard that they were at a Todd Bowles press conference right before. And Todd Bowles told them it was a fake. So why do you really need to push this guy around, try to bully him into answering your questions? Because he's not a starter and he's an old veteran, I guess, that you think you could just push around a little bit to get these answers when you already know the answer. You already know it was a fake. The head coach told you it was. Now, getting that, was it a miscommunication? I guess you could ask that. But this is just why you need to have interpersonal skills and treat people like people. They're, they're, they are people not just robots, headlines, or players. They are still human beings. Yeah, I, I just, I felt like, you know, it, it could have stopped when he, didn't, when he was ready to roll out. And the thing is, when you post the video and you see the player who's walking away to leave the locker room, you have a little time after a game. I know you talk to a coach. I, I know you talk to the quarterback. And that's right after the game ends that, you still have time to go in the locker room and you had time to go over to Gio and you went over to him last minute. He was on his way out and you didn't talk to him all season. So you didn't create that relationship with him. I don't blame him for being like, Hey, I'm out. I'm leaving. They just got their butts kicked. And you know, I'd, I'd be ready to roll too. I, I don't, I just, I was very confused why it was on social media. Um, why you would want to just put that out there. And I don't know, playing kind of a victim card on it. I just, I don't know. I didn't appreciate it. Gio's a, He's a real one. Even, you know, if he wasn't a former Bengal, I would feel for a player. And I do because they're human. They could play a sport and still be a person who, um, you know, I I don't know. I just didn't like it. And I definitely wanted to bring it up because Gio is uh, an OG in Cincinnati. And, you know, hopefully this kind of just it opens up eyes to people, how they treat people in the media. Uh, if you're in the media and you're working with athletes or dif different people, just kind of be nice. Yeah, that could have been Cam Braid, Kate Otten, Luke Gadecki, whoever. Don't care. I would have had the same response of like, oh, my God, treat this person as a person. And then it happens to Geo, which obviously we have a little bit more feelings about. But uh, fun, funnier news. Funnier. Uh, Let's go to something. That was, that was too uh, – that, that bumped me out when I saw that after the game. But, yeah, we'll move on to this. This story is absolutely wild. And, unfortunately, I spent maybe an hour of it this morning just reading the trending because I didn't even know what happened until, of course, Twitter, TikTok. They have this guy, this Chiefs fan, a little background. Chiefsaholic. Chiefsaholic. He's a wolf, not really, but he dresses up like a wolf, like a really scary wolf. I saw him in person when he was in Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. And he goes to all of these away games. He's a big Chiefs fan, obviously. And he got caught robbing a bank. And the reason he got caught, this is why I love Twitter sometimes. Fans were wondering why he wasn't tweeting for like three days and there was a Chiefs game and he goes to all of these games, even if it's on the road, and posts that he's there and all of this stuff. He didn't have any posts. And they did some digging. They called the police. They were scared about his um, his whereabouts and found out his name. And they found out that he was in jail. And I think he's still in jail because his bond is $200,000. Armed robbery. Wild. Well, what's so wild about it is, of course, 
there's investigating on Twitter, uh, people going through his tweets and just some of the clues that he said. I think this one guy goes because he was putting wagers out on on um, sports games and things like that. I think he put a thousand dollars on the Chiefs one weekend. And this guy goes, how does this wolf get all this money? And he's like, well, I hustle private and I work hard. And everybody's like, oh, he was putting the clues out for all of us to see. And I just think the tweets are just my favorite right now. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty funny story, uh, but eh, weird. I don't know. You get a following, however big, 38,000 followers or something like that. So yeah. big enough that people are going to care, and uh, that happens. But, hey, let's bring Nick on yes. for quick Christmas movie talk. All right, Christmas movie talk. It is Christmas week. It doesn't feel like it because we've been football, 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 10 and 4 right now in Cincinnati, but it's time because it's Christmas movie week. Christmas is this weekend. I have a problem because there are not enough people on Twitter putting Home Alone 2 number one. Nick, tell the people your top five Christmas Christmas movies and why don't you like Home Alone 2? I feel like you're attacking me just because of one tweet, and it's completely fine. I understand it. My Deserved. my first movie is The Santa Claus. It's nostalgic. Tim Allen. Wow. Has, oh, Tim Allen. Yeah, Tim Allen has just he has a direct line to my heart, basically because of growing up through that. I mean, I, I loved Home Improvement. I still love Last Man Standing, which is his newer show. So The Santa Claus is number one. The original Home Alone is my second. National Lampoons is my third. Christmas with the Cranks is fourth, and the Grinch, Jim Carrey version, is fifth. Oh, hold on. Christmas with the Cranks is over Elf? Yes. Oh, this is a disgusting take to me. Why? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Will Ferrell. That is my favorite movie that he's in. Um, and honestly, Spirited, the new one with Ryan Reynolds, was really good, too. Um, but just something about it that it's okay. Blasphemous I think it, I think I overdid it. I, I think I overdid it when I started watching it. I watched it too many times, and then it got old. I watch it every year. Watch it already this year. Zoe Deschanel's character is a psychopath in that movie. Why does she go on a date with a guy that followed her into a locker room while she was showering? And he's clearly a little bit mentally disabled. But uh, hey, they went on a date. That's true love. What? <laughs> I don't even know that. Tell me I'm wrong with Elf. The guy's. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know that movie. And you're talking about Elf. I didn't even know. I was like, what is that movie that you're talking about right now? I think now? Lindsay was just like, oh, the blonde one with Zoe Deschanel. What? I can't I'm think of her name. I can't think of her character's name. Why why Home Alone versus Home Alone 2? I'm a big fan of just like originals. So Home Alone 2 was good, but I like the down to earth of the first one. Just yeah, he's at his house, whatever he can find, his little BB gun and all this stuff. I like that more. And I think Home Alone 2 is is good, but it's also very much just the first one in New York. Yeah, yeah but the setting's better and it's got the I've seen Home Alone 2 so many more times. I, I agree with Lindsay that it's better. Does, does Home Alone 1 have a scene as fun as uh, when he turns the TV all the way up is, uh, with the gangster movies? The, I don't even put my yeah. top and they all running out. Tim Curry's in Home Alone 2. You know, how, how, what's the response to Tim Curry? You know, the, you can't. There's no Tim Curry in Home Alone 1. Well, I mean, that's a fair point, but they do have that scene. It's just with the pizza man and then also with the wet bandits as well. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Home Alone one in a while. I'm riding on the Tim Curry idea then. Okay. It's the pigeon part for me, the pigeon lady. I feel like that is so it's sad and happy how she teaches him things and he's nice to her. And I don't know. I love New York during Christmas time. 
And I think, I don't know, I, 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 Home Alone 2 for me, there's nothing against it. I know I should support all Christmas movies. I'm not there yet. And I want to say this because people do this around Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the Christmas story is at the movie that's on 24 mm-hmm. hours. Christmas story, yeah. That's overrated. It's played too much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's it, it Once it's on for 24 hours straight and you're basically forced to watch it, it becomes a movie where it's like, yeah, that's a, a meme now. I, I think the, the generation that's slightly older than us also really wanted us to watch that movie. Yeah, it's, Christmas Vacation also, but also that one's just a better movie. Never watched it. Oh, wow. come on. All right, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. Get back to us. I know. Maybe I'll do it on Christmas Eve and uh, get in the holiday spirit, watch a little Christmas vacation. And my list is absolutely terrible. It's just Home Alone too. Uh, <laughs> you don't have anything else? No, I mean, I'll watch it because you you got to get on the, you got to get Christmassy. It's time. Put all the Christmas movies on. I'm not a Hallmark person or anything like that. Um, no. Who, I, don't know, I don't know who, what, what, that's just a laundry escape. There's something going on with Hallmark movies. Nobody's watching those. No. <laughs> No, not at all. Your top five is just Home Alone 2? At this moment. I mean, of course I'll watch Alphabet if it's on. And if there's any movie that's on, if I'm watching Hulu and I'm like, oh, let's see what Christmas uh, genres, what's on there. If there's something funny. There's obviously not scary Christmas movies, I don't think. So I'm just. I don't know. I'm seeing Violent Night soon with David Harbour. (laughs) That might be a scary Christmas movie. I have no idea. I don't know. That's just how I feel. That's what I'm going to watch. And. Uh... What's yours, Mike? Uh, number one, Elf. Uh, I feel like that's just my generation's take. Number two, Christmas Vacation is very funny. I know it. it I love it. Uh, number three, Grinch. I don't really care which. I think I haven't seen the newest one with Tyler Creator and uh, Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch. But uh, the original animated and the Jim Carrey are both really, really good. I love them both. Um, number for uh man i did this during thanksgiving and i've left off grinch and now i know i'm gonna leave something else off but in my mind i got those three i want to say i have consistently put not christmas movie hanukkah movie but i don't know i just love eight crazy nights with adam sandler yeah Uh, that's good so the technical foul that's a really good one um and I'm probably forgetting something. People can yell at me on Twitter. I'm going to go with Home Alone 2, number five. Yeah, that works. That fits it all. Okay, cool. That's the top five. Now, quick one. Do you guys have a favorite claymation? Any of those old, you know, ones? Uh, mine's probably Rudolph with the with the elf. That's like, where were you at? Choir practice. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking that when you were talking about the Grinch, but my favorite OG old timer one is Frosty the Snowman. That's a good one. Yeah, I lean towards towards Rudolph. Just the the elf that wants to be a dentist and oh, yeah. everything else. It's so yeah. it's so weird. I love that. It yeah. is weird if we think about it, honestly. <laughs> we go back and watch those. Uh, but I watched those with my grandparents when I was a kid. I was like, oh, because they watched the the old school Christmas movies, but yeah. Any Christmas movie you can't stand? Mm, I don't think I have one. I mean, you mentioned the Hallmark movies, probably any of those, because it's the same one. Yeah, it's so with different actors. It's true. It's true. It's the Christmas story. It's that because everyone's like, oh, you have to watch it. It's on. It's 24 hours. No, that's okay. You can watch it anytime you want. I could watch it in July if I wanted to. I don't. I don't want to watch it. So, yeah, I think that's my only one. 
Yeah, I don't think I have any. Uh, also, shout out Bad Santa. That's a fun one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the night before with Seth Rogen, I saw that once in theaters, and I thought it was fun. I just I saw I'm... that like last week. Okay, did you like it? Does it hold I, up? It holds up. I loved it. I really, I enjoyed okay. it thoroughly the entire way through. It's, it's a very Seth Rogen movie, it, but it's also yeah. it's also sweet though. I don't know. I I saw it in theaters, so like when it came out five years ago or six. I don't even more uh, years ago. I saw it in theaters and I am such an easy please in theaters. I got a you know big old thing of popcorn, got a big old soda and I'm just watching the movie. I'm having a great time. I'm in a great mood for the movie. And uh, there's not very many movies I've seen in theaters and gone. Oh, I didn't like that. Just uh, shout out Batman versus Superman and Justice League. I didn't enjoy those enough. I love it. I love it. Now I'm going to end this podcast because I'm going to watch a Christmas movie because we got football this weekend, Christmas Eve football and Christmas Day. I think the Rams play on Christmas Day. It's going to be absolutely brutal. Yeah, watch Christmas Vacation instead of the Rams. Yeah, maybe I'll do that because I, I don't even know the slate of uh, Christmas Day games. I, I like that there's Christmas Day games. Not a whole lot. I think there's only three, but the the rest of the guys play on um, on this Saturday, which I'm I'm game for. I love a little Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. I need. I know they can't do it because of college football, but man, I love Saturday NFL games. It was good. Find the slate for you. The slate on Christmas Day. Uh, oh, Packers, Dolphins, Broncos, Rams, Buccaneers, Cardinals. That sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah, I didn't like any of those. Oh, man, they messed up. I'm sure they thought the Rams was going to be a good one because they're defending Super Bowl champs. When they oh, that had to sound awesome. Russell Wilson with the Broncos going against the defending champion Rams. Now the Rams are run by Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. My, ended my fantasy playoff season. I needed him to just not be terrible, and he was terrible. Well, I'm so sorry about that. And as I mentioned before, We'll have a preview prediction on Thursday. Look ahead to the game. Can the Bengals make it seven in a row to be determined? What's up on all Bengals? Oh, man. Uh, something. I have not figured that out yet. Yet the, A film review of some sort will be out while you're listening to this. Jesse Bates? Could be. I wasn't on the top. of. I think it's either going to be – the wide receivers slash Jamar Chase against Carlton Davis and that matchup. Or I was also thinking of something offensive line related, maybe just a look at how Cordell Wilson's played over the course of the year and how he's improved. But honestly, I'm not sure it is eight o'clock the night before, and I have not written a single word and I, whatever comes out, I hope it's good. I can't wait. I can't wait. You heard it here first. What's going to be up there to be determined? We do not know. <laughs> Make sure you follow Something along. good. Something good. Make sure you give them a follow. Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.